So there are various reasons why I could try to convince you of why you need to get a prayer life. And so let me just give you a couple of things just right off the top so we begin with the end of mind. Why, Pastor Tom, why do I need a prayer life? Well, first of all, adoration, consecration, impartation, intervention, forgiveness, provision, protection, healing, wisdom, deliverance, to name a few. These are things that are transacted from the Spirit of God through a spirit of prayer. And see, uh, it said in, in Luke uh, 11, and I'll have my friends up there help me with this as an opening scripture, D- Jesus teaches on prayer. And I want you to notice something here as we begin our little journey for the next few moments. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, that he ceased, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples, verse 2. And he said unto them, when you pray, can we stop right there? It wasn't if you pray, it's when you pray. There is no question that in your life, it isn't a question of whether you're going to need ever to pray. You have got to pray. It's when you pray. Well, I don't know that the opportunity has come up yet. Well, we're either lying to ourselves or we're ignorant because quite... Quite to the opposite, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, and we need to pull on that, and we need to pray for one another. Amen. So when you pray, not if you pray, pray ye, uh, uh, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and so forth, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. Uh, uh, as in heaven, so in earth. And of course, we covered this uh, last Sunday morning, so I won't go into that. But again, I will underscore that it's when you pray, not if. And so the disciples observed that Jesus had a prayer life. What are we preaching on tonight? Get a prayer life. And, and they noticed something significant, not just any prayer life, a prayer life that was distinctly different than the hypocrites in the synagogues and on the street corner. There was something different about Jesus when he prayed to such a degree that they, it, it sparked their, not just their curiosity, but it motivated them. When you get around someone that has a prayer life and knows how to connect heaven and earth together, you kind of get pulled to that because you realize there's something about that person. Amen. Amen. Believers and unbelievers alike. I just love sitting in prayer meetings or I love to sit under the teaching of, of, of folk like Patsy uh, Caminetti, uh, just, just, it just uh, Lynn Hammond, uh, Sister Billy Brem, Pastor Brennan. It, it just pulls, it just pulls you into that place. There's a prayer zone. Yeah. And you realize that there's something, there's something further out there that we can't see. But in the realms of prayer, you can get them. And not only can you see them and touch them, but you could pull them into this realm right where people need them. Hallelujah. That excites me when I see, when I hear people speak with specificity about their prayer life, that I stood in the gap about this and God told me that and then this happened and deliverance came. I just, that just excites me. I don't know about you. I don't need more question marks in my life. I need exclamation points. I need to know that yes and amen and it's done. How about you friends? 
So notice it seems, it seems to me that when we talk about prayer, <laughs> uh, so here we are for the next few moments talking about getting a prayer life. It's a lot like exercise. Did I say exercise is not a dirty word? To some degree, most of us know that we should do it, but in many ways our collections of exercise, bicycles, treadmills, trampolines, bench presses, rubber bands, and gym memberships, they go unused. I can't tell you how much exercise gear I have in my house. The thing that you roll like that. And my treadmill, it just helps me to dry clothes. It's just really embarrassing. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, we, we seem to have all these bench presses and all this apparatus. There was a point we had, well, never mind. I won't. But what I'm saying is, it's not how much you bought and collected. It's the one, it's the person that actually exercised it. And we all just, I don't know about you, but ever since I was a little guy, man, I was just so impressed with watching Hercules movies and, man, Tarzan movies and those dudes, those packs, man, those six packs. I'm like, wow. So here I am, all of like 60 pounds, running around the house in shorts with my skin and bone, I'm telling you, just trying to go, and trying to be Mr. Strong. And I even, I got to tell off on myself, I even had my dad buy me. Uh, I, I saw. I got hold of in one of the comic books. There was a Joe Weider thing with Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the '60s or something. And and he's bending this bar and he goes, "Muscle up and make out." Well, I didn't know what make out man. I had a feeling, but I didn't quite know. I was like 11 years old. You had to be 12 to have this thing, right? So I had I I, I had my folks order it out. I actually had mom do it. And then when it didn't arrive, I had to get to my dad and he says, "Okay, son, now I'm going to write a letter to this company. What did you say?" It's called uh, muscle up and uh, I couldn't say make out because I didn't really know what that was. So muscle up and shape up. Yeah, that's it. Shape up. So he wrote, yes, my son ordered muscle up and shape up. Well, they said you have to be 12 years old. I was just 11. <laughs> I bent it. Uh. Well, anyway, this, this thing finally came. My dad's like a lawyer type, you know, with his typing. I finally got this bar. The sad thing about it is when I got this bar, I couldn't move it. I took that bar with me to college and I still couldn't budget. And so there I was in Kansas with my roommate Roger and he was like a like a football dude and he's going boing boing boing. I said, Roger, here it's yours. I I mean I how do you do that, Roger? So all those pictures were of no avail. But what I'm trying to say, obviously, I didn't get the 40-inch chest and I didn't get the biceps that all of us want. But it's not, <laughs> it's not the equipment you bought. It's what were you able to put into practice. And so I'm going to say this to you. Hopefully this hits home with you. We're not saying that you have to be a prayer warrior that prays for five hours a day and has visions and, and the angels come and you saw the angels descending in the move of God. You got to start where you're at. So just like me, I went to Macy's when I was a little older. Actually, I was already married with kids and I found me this little women's one that was about this tiny and I could go boing boing. I said, now this I could do and I have it till this day. I wish I could have brought it in. I could have showed you, but I could do that exercise. See, you've got to exercise your prayer life and start where you are. So let me just give you a little, a little practical uh, about this. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's see, just some little practical things. Just like exercise, it requires intentionality, focus, priority, and a plan. 
And so I'll just, I'll give you a little overview of what happened to Pastor Tom's life. I've always loved to pray. I love stories about prayer. My mom, who's now in heaven, would read me stories about Daniel praying. And I just was in love with those stories. But later I became baptized with the Holy Spirit and this and that. And I would have a prayer life, you know, I have a need and go to an occasional prayer meeting. But I didn't really have a system. It's kind of like the Dave Ramsey, you have to have a budget. How many of you know... Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. Okay, so so there is a you know it isn't like you never paid your bills before, right? You did pay your bills, but it was like once you got that budget in place, something changed. You became intentional, right? You became organized. There was a system, right? Well, this in the same way for me, like for me, the the Dave Ramsey method of praying came when Brother Andy Osakwe came. I can't believe it took me like 30, over 30 years in ministry for somebody to come in and share something. And when ding, and the light went on. And he talked about praying in the Holy Ghost. Well, I always prayed in the Holy Ghost, but I finally got my routine. You got to get your routine. Just like exercise, you know, you got to get your routine. Is it walking? Is it jogging? Is it weights? I don't know. You figure that out with the Lord. But where prayer is concerned, I figured out I'm going to put my timer on and I'm going to put it, I start small. I'm going to start with 10 minutes and I'm going to just pray in the Holy Ghost and I'm not going to think about anything. I'm not going to let anything like my mind I'm going to force myself to be quiet and just pray in the Holy Ghost and then I'm going to see what happens. You know what happened after about a week of that? I mean that's just stage one. There's more coming. But in stage one that first ten minutes I began praying and then certain words would be highlighted like I'm, I'm actually listening because it's my spirit that's praying not my head right? Are you listening to me? And so then I would follow some of like sometimes I would would, I would pray a prayer and a word would come out and I would just kind of follow that, not trying to put any stipulation on it, but I'm praying by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul said, when I pray by the Spirit, my spirit prayeth, right? That's what I was doing. Now, when the timer is up, you know, I will take up and put the timer again. And I'll put the timer now and start praying in English. Now I say, okay, Lord, now start putting scriptures on it. And if there was a word that came up before, I would start praying that word. And I have some real bizarre things come up that are really amazing, spectacular. Don't have time to go into all of them, but I'm going like, wow. I, I began praying, for instance, the word trade came up and I said, trade. Trade? Okay. So I'm just praying trade, trade. Ah ha ha trade. This is way before trade deals were in, on the table. You know, wherever our government's working on trade deals, right? This is way before then, like years before that even happened. In fact, this current administration wasn't even in office yet. I was praying about trade things, and then I started like, wow, isn't this interesting? Is that what I was I praying about that stuff way back then? Mm-hmm. Isn't God in Interesting, But I'd put the, then the Lord had me expand it. I put out the timer again, make intercession for my church family, whatever names, bring names before the Lord. Put the timer on again. And then now it's time to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Put the timer on again. It's time to, to read the word. It's, it's, and then most lately it's put the timer on again. And now we're going to dance before I took the 30 day challenge. Like, okay, Lord, is that what it's going to be? And I'm, I'm in the, I'm trying not to wake up Mama Carmen. I'm in the living room, just dancing before the Lord. Everybody's looking at me funny. Stop looking at me so funny. I'm going to move right along. I mean, you didn't look at Pastor Mark that way when he was doing this Michael Jackson. Okay, stop. Let's move right along. Let's look at Jesus' prayer life. I'm saying I got intentional. And now, I'll just, I'll just briefly tell you. Now, I pray every 
I, I, this is kind of funny. I have a, not only my own prayer meeting, I have a prayer meeting with my wife every day. This sounds funny, except Sundays. I know that sounds wrong, right? But see, I'm out of the house before she's ever got out of the bed. But no, really, we have a prayer meeting together and God just is doing some amazing things in our life. And it just has developed and developed into something very, very wonderful. But uh, why did I want to get off on that? Because I want to talk about the fact that we did have a prayer plan. You know, it started out very small with the little timer. I remember when we were young, uh, newly newly married, or maybe ten years in. We've been married forty years, but uh, we we hit a little patch there where we were just fighting. <laughs> we couldn't stop fighting, 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 arguing about everything. So the only thing we could agree on, the only thing was, okay, fine. We'll pray in the Holy Ghost for five minutes. Ready? On your mark, get set, go. And you know what? It took about three or four days of that before it started melting those hearts and we were able to talk again. Don't look at me with that sanctimonious tone of voice. You know, at year 10, things are pretty tough. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Sometimes you just hit a patch in our relationships where you just can't even talk in English anymore. And you can't even, you can't even pray. But let me tell you something. No, actually, you can't even, you can't even uh, talk about anything. You can't even pray in English because you're like, well, I don't agree with that. Like, oh, brother, really? Are you really going to start in? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. So that's everybody can. See, I'll tell you what. Let's just bypass our head. Let's be brain dead for a few minutes here, and let's just put the clock on and pray for five minutes. It worked wonders. Amen. Pastor Kimberly will tell you it worked wonders. You ask her sometime. So that was that was wonderful. That was way back in the what the 80s. Pray, dear God, that was a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Right along. Let's look at Jesus' prayer life. What do you say? First of all, let's examine his life. He had a personal, private prayer life. Let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35 in the King James Version. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Observation, a solitary place. The uh, Passion Translation says that a secluded place. The next morning he got up long, long before daylight. How long was that? I don't know, but it was dark outside. So let's see, if I were to say dark outside, let's say you got up, if I said you got up at four and five in the morning, that's, it's still dark outside, right? But if he said long before, then maybe he got up at 3.30, in the morning to pray. Is that, does that seem, is that fair to say maybe, maybe if sun, if sun up is like six or six thirty, he got up at three or three thirty. That's pretty, I think pretty long. So here you go. You have a, you have Jesus example. This was something customary for him. I just want you to know he would get up early and he would go someplace secluded. Now this I found out through various readings that the reason why he had to go get up so early and get out away is because he was in such demand. People were crowding him and clamoring for him and wanting to touch him and want to see him and pray for me and so many needs. So you know what he would do? He would have to get up before all that mess started and he had to get recharged, get directions from headquarters and get grace deposited it's directly from the throne of God. And it was while he was alone. If you were a public figure and you're in ministry, dear Lord, you better pray at least two, three times as much as you do 
privately as you are ministering out publicly. I'm just saying, you're going to need, you're going to need the grace of God. So anyway, you know, there was another spot here where, um, they were looking for him and I'm just going to paraphrase because uh, let's say Luke 5:16 in the voice Jesus repeatedly left the crowds that's the voice translation he repeatedly left the crowds though stealing away into the wilderness to pray and uh, just a thought, there was a time where his disciples were hunting for like, where were you? Everybody's looking for you. So the thing is, you know, uh, doesn't it, don't you get this feeling like he had a real fast paced life? <laughs> like everybody was looking for him and pulling on him. He couldn't get, a, like every, he couldn't, he couldn't even go to, you know, 7-Eleven. Can I have a matzah ball, please? Oh my God, it's Jesus. Can I have an autograph? Here, touch me. Here, lay hands on me. He's like, dear Lord, you can't even get a matzah ball in peace. What are we going to do here? <laughs> oh, come on, loosen up, you guys. <laughs> anyway, so let's, let's move right along. So the first thing we're going to observe is that he had a private prayer life. Is that right? Uh, the next thing we're going to observe is that, uh, look at Luke 6.12 in the King James Version, where Jesus pulled an all-nighter. Okay, this is an all-nighter. Notice what happened here. And it came to pass that in those days when he went out into the mountain to pray and continued all night, all night, all night. Uh, some of us charismatics don't like that. All night, dude, come on. I'm a faith man. It is done. I believe I receive and it's over, baby. <laughs> Well, the old timers had this thing about praying through, and I'm not trying to make a case for praying all night, but you've got to understand why he prayed all night. There are certain projects, I'll just put it this way from what my experience is, and I, this, is, this is not gospel, but this is just observation, and you just kind of weigh it in your heart. It seems that the greater the project, the more prayer needs to happen the, to, to receive a greater grace. I, I wish I'd have brought the book, but Brother Paul Young, he Cho talks about um, how he had a formula for how, how much he had to pray when he went into a certain place. Like, if I'm preaching in Japan, I have to pray like four to six hours to be ready to be able to really break through when I'm stand up in front of the... This is a guy from the largest church in the world. I don't know if there's other any larger than that, but that's what he said. He, had a, he actually had it down to a science. I'd say he had a plan. He had it down like, okay, in order for me to, to minister in this country to this group of people, I'm going to have to pray so many hours. Not, it's not works. It's just being ready and knowing that you've got something. You've got a grace on you. So that when you speak, there's power, there's authority, there's manifestation. Because nobody's interested in how cute you sound when you talk. They're looking for the demonstration of the power of God. Yeah. That their faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. That's why when Jesus, friends, the reason why when Jesus spoke with authority, not like the Pharisees and Sadducees, He spoke with authority because He spent time with the Father, alone with the Father. So he pulled an all-nighter, and I just want to note something here. Why would Jesus pull an all-nighter praying? Well, he had to evidently look what was on his plate for the following day. In Luke chapter 6, 
And verse 12 through 20 says that it came to pass, he went out to the mountain to pray, continued all night in prayer. This is New King James. And when the, when it was day, so he finally made it, it says that he called his disciples to himself and from there he chose 12. So what he did is he chose his staff. Do you realize how significant this is to choose a staff? They did not have Yelp. They did not have LinkedIn. They did not have Indeed. They didn't have, what else didn't they have? ZipRecruiter and Monster and Simply Hired and LinkedIn and Craigslist. They didn't have that. So Jesus had to know that he knows he's got the right people for his staff. He's only alive for three years of ministry, I'm saying. 30, he died at 33, so he's got three years to move the world with a message that will not die. Amen. And he has to entrust it in a limited amount of time into the hands of 12 individuals. Who will those 12 individuals be? So that's why he pulled an all-nighter receiving from the Father who it's going to be. Just a thought. But it's not over yet. There's more. I almost feel like a commercial, 1995. But wait, there's more. I want you to notice that in addition to choosing his staff... His staffing, he also, in verse 17, there came down with him and stood on the level place a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude. And he, all of a sudden, he has this massive healing service. So as if picking the 12 individuals on your team wasn't bad enough. They can't even do that for the NBA and the NFL successfully without clamoring and negotiating everything and figuring out if you got the right person. He had to go minister to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it said in verse 19, the whole multitude sought to touch him. Why? Because power went out from him. And what does it says? And healed them all. That does not come from a person that sits around eating pizza and watching tennis or watching Gilligan's Island reruns. It comes from a man or a woman that gets before the presence of God and takes the horns of the altar and says, God, I've got to have revival like we were praying here. God, I've got to see your presence. Show me what to say. Show me what I don't see. Give me unction. Give me utter and thank you for power for today to minister to the people. Are you listening to it? And that's why he was able to do that. But I think it's not even over yet. It's still not over. It's still part of the next day's agenda. What happened after that? He says, it says here, if I'm not mistaken, gosh, what happened? I think I, I in my excitement, I flipped. I, if I'm not mistaken, he also had a hungry multitude. Now, after he healed them all and been up all night and got the wisdom of who to pick, and then he healed all these, all these multitude of people. Now he's got to feed them all. So now a miracle happens, and now he prays publicly. We talked about privately, right? So now we see an example of his pr- pr- public praying. He says that he blessed it. He took the bread, he took it up, and he blessed it. What did he bless? He blessed the food. It says in Matthew 14, 19, in the New International Version, he gave thanks. And I don't know if you could keep up with me. In the TLB, it says he asked God's blessing on the meal. 
in, uh, in uh, the message it says in Matthew 14, 19, he lifted up his face to heaven in prayer and blessed and broke it. He gave thanks. In other words, now you went from private praying to everybody's hearing and praying. Is that right? Yes. Is that right? Here's another, here's another uh, public thing that Jesus did. Um, oh my gosh, there are just so many good, good ones here. Okay, suffer the little children to come unto me. Remember that? Yeah. For such is the kingdom of God. It was customary for, for, you know, he had the ministry of laying on hands. The little kids, the parents bring the little children to Jesus. They get rebuked. Oh no, get away. Don't be bothered with the master. Don't get them little kids out of here and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Allow them to come to me for of such is the kingdom of God. And it says that he invited them, laid hands and prayed on them and blessed them. That's it. That happened as well. So there's a lot of virtue coming out of Jesus. Somebody say amen. But all that that's going on would not have occurred if in his private life he didn't have a major uh, prayer time with the Father. Is that right? Let's go to, let's go to John 11, 40 and 44. Are you guys okay or are we moving too fast? Because I just, I mean, I, I'm not here to keep you here all night, but uh, I'm just going to, I want to make sure that I connect with you. So stay with me, will you? Lazarus uh, is a fascinating story in John 11, verse 40 through 44 in the New Living Translation. Notice how Jesus' public prayer life and his prayer life were kind of meshed and he was able to display his private life. I love this of Jesus. Notice what it says. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. So he had already prayed. That's his private life. Thank you for hearing me. Then he goes on to say, you always hear me. Then he goes, but I, I said this out loud. Hey guys, I'm saying this out loud for your sake, for all the people standing here so that they'll know and, and believe that you sent me, that we, that we actually are connected. So you see that Jesus, evidently the day before or whenever it was before, he had already prayed and already seen Lazarus being raised from the dead. But then he went out and so in front of everybody says, Father, uh, I thank you that you always hear me. And I'm saying this for their benefit. <laughs> because this is not an accident that's happening. It's not an eclipse or it's not a kind of an anomaly but you're going to work right here because you always hear me when I pray, friends. This is the confidence that we have in Him, says in John. says, if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. And then if He hears us, then we know, not we guess, we know that we have the petitions that we asked of Him. I love scriptures like that. I don't like scripture, uh, not scriptures, I don't like theology that leaves you wondering and wandering. I wonder what's going to happen. No, we know what's going to happen if we ask for the petitions that He, that, that are in line with the the word of God and are, are prayed out of a right heart and inspired by the Holy Ghost, we're on the right track and we're going to have the petitions that we asked. Amen. So he said it out loud. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all the people standing so that they would believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out or in the King James, come forth. I, I wonder what happened. <laughs> Well, you know, Lazarus came forth. Amen. Amen. 
So he sure came up. And I'm going to tell you something. We, I like that kind of praying. Man, Jesus is like a hero. I'm telling you what. There's another example of Jesus before we kind of wind this a, a little down. Oh my goodness. We, we, wow. Okay. No problem. <clears throat> Let's, let's look at Jesus' committal prayer, Mark 15, 33 and 34, in the New International Version. This, just, just so that we're clear, this was the last act of Jesus prior to his crucifixion, the last thing that happened, okay? This is the last thing that happened before, before he was uh, raised from the dead. So, so this is very significant. G, it says at at noon, verse thirty three. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. This is prayer. Oh boy, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. Sorry if I butchered it, Lord. <laughs> Which means, my God, my God, why have you... First, who's he praying to? He's speaking to the Father, isn't he? And then, and then, of course, if I go into the NIV in verse 38, it says, notice it says, verse 37, 38, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Verse 39, when the, when, when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this is a man of God. And I like what the passion said. Jesus' last act, the committal prayer was like this, verse 46. Luke twenty three forty six. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, I surrender my spirit into your hands. And he took his last breath and died. But hallelujah, he didn't stay died. Praise God. He came on up. I, I have a feeling that one of the scriptures on his mind was, Therefore my heart is glad. Psalm 16, 9 and 10 says, My heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh shall also rest in hope. For thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Hallelujah. And you know what happened, friends? You know what happened. He was raised from the dead and we were raised with him. Is that right? Let's give Jesus some praise for five minutes while I try to skip around. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you for the example of a faithful Jesus. He's a faithful high priest. Who, incidentally, we thank you that he's up there interceding for us right now. All right. So, thank you, Lord. So, friends, there, there are numerous types of prayer. This is such a wonderful church. You know, I grew up in the church. Uh, my whole life, my I'm third generation minister, and I never heard all the different kinds of prayer that there were different. I didn't even know that until I came here. Oh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was six years old, but I never had exercised my prayer language. Talking about having exercise equipment and leaving it on the side, I never really. I didn't know what it was for. You know, I just receiving that, that gift from the Lord. I didn't know, but I came to this church, and since I've come to this church, I learned about there, there's the prayer of, of casting your care on the Lord, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of worship, all these wonderful prayers, the prayer of agreement, the prayer of binding and loosing. These are all wonderful things which I'm not going to go into tonight because that's not exactly the point. The point here that I'm trying to do is to get you to become intentional about starting some kind of a prayer program in your life. Get a prayer life is what I'm trying to get at. And the rest are doing such marvelous jobs at teaching the types of prayer. 
you know, and so forth. But let's, let's ask some questions about, about such a prayer life. First of all, I found that you could find that, you know how you have a speedometer on your car and it tells you how fast you're going, or there's the, there's the temperature gauge that tells you how hot the engine's getting or, or the oil pressure. And if it doesn't have very much oil pressure, you better do something. Okay. Well, the same way I found that there's like a, some kind of a little gauge for your prayer life, you know? And what I feel, I mean, this is something I'm just kind of observing. It has to do with how much peace you have in your life. So let me let's say, how in the world will peace, peace be the barometer? Well, check it out. In Philippians 4 and 6 through 7, you understand that it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is that right? So is it fair to say that if, if you're anxious and, and you're nervous and you're upset, well, you're barometer, you're, you haven't even left yet. You're not even going 20 miles an hour yet, man. You're, or, you know, you have to, you have to get that from, from, oh, hey, you have to go from anxiety. You have to move from the anxiety zone over to the P, to the peace zone. Like, ah, I cast my care on the Lord. I prayed, you know. He says, be anxious, friends. It says, be anxious for how much? Some things, most things, nothing. But in everything, through what? Prayer. Prayer. Get a prayer life. And supplication, let your request, specific request, by the way, be made known unto God, of course, with thanksgiving, right? And then the peace of God, then your barometer is going out from, it's going to go from, ah, peace. You know, Pastor Mark just really surprised, I'm so... He, he overwhelms me with his, how he could, there could be such difficult things and big things and that, that need to happen. And he's at peace and he sleeps. Oh, I sleep just fine at night. Thank you very much. I'm like, how do you do that? Well, he's practiced in casting his cares on the Lord. Being nervous and staying up at night, you'd get no trophy for that, friends. Sorry. Our, uh, we have to be in that tranquil state of the soul, assured of its soul salvation through Christ, fearing nothing, being content. Hallelujah. And then the peace of God will transcend all your understanding, garrison and mount guard, and you're going to be okay. Everybody say amen. amen. Psalms 55, 22. I'm going to move just a few scriptures here. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Release the weight of it, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved. You've got to cast 1 Peter 5, 7. Learn this. I, this is a theme that happens again and again and again from my pastor and your pastor. Uh, casting the whole of your care and all your anxieties. That's 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified. The whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you. Watch Fully, Hallelujah. So, r- real briefly, how how often should I be praying? Well, I heard it said by Smith Wigglesworth that he never prayed more than fifteen minutes at a time, but then he never went more than fifteen minutes without praying. Well, okay, <clears throat> that were, that was his prayer plan. All right, look at this. The Apostle Paul, I suppose, in First Thessalonians five says, "Pray without ceasing." Okay, uh, it says in Second Timothy one verse two and three in the King James Version, 2 Timothy 1, 2 and 3 says to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God, the Father of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, without ceasing, 
I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. So uh, we had a case for people getting up early and praying. Here's a guy that's doing it day and night. So, well, I'm not a morning person. Well, great. Pray at night. Go with David then. He was so dramatic. He had the night watches then. Hallelujah. Just get something that works, you know. Get something that works. Put your... And and this may seem so flexible, Pastor Tom. I mean, really? Put a timer on? Yeah, I think you should put a timer on. It'll surprise you how how if you just can discipline yourself for that... Oh, I should tell you this. Sometimes you say, well, I just go turn on the router for a while because we turn it off. I'll turn the router on and it'll be ready. And, and the Lord says, don't do that because you're already distracted by turning on the router and thinking that you have to do this and that. And you absolutely have got to be you and God and put out all the distractions. If you can't stop for 10 minutes and get on your knees and on your face before God to seek Him at the top of your day, then uh, I'm saying you're short, we're short-circuiting ourselves. Amen. So, yeah, we can't, we can't be checking emails and texts and, and check your stocks. You can't do that. Check your stocks some other time. I almost, I almost feel like saith the Lord. Check your, check your trades another time. Check what's happening on eBay another time. Check what, whatever came in through the latest news channel. Check that another time. This is holy. Can you please, out of the bay, can you please make that few minutes holy before the Lord? I'm just saying, when you do separate and sanctify that to him, does it really make a difference? Absolutely, it makes a difference. Okay, let me see. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm going to read Ephesians 6.18, and then I'm going to share a personal story, and, and then we'll close. Ephesians 6.18 in the Good News Translation. Do all this in prayer, asking for God's help. Pray on most occasions... Thank you. Somebody was away. Pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. For this reason, keep alert and never give up. Pray always for all people, all God's people. So keep alert. Look at what it says in Colossians 1, 2, and 3. Can you see that in the New King James? To the saints and the faithful brethren, Christ who are in Colossae, grace and peace to you, Lord. We give thanks to God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Praying always for you. Hallelujah. So, oh gosh, I didn't even get to some of this. But I will say this. There are times of corporate prayer. There were prayer meetings. Peter would go to the hour of prayer. Just saying, Peter and John, they would go to the hour of prayer. There was times where the church assembled. But now, I'm going to tell you, I have my little prayer meeting with my wife. And I'm going to tell you a story and close out with this. Because I am not going to tell you something that I myself don't do. So I have this lifestyle of praying, particularly since Brother Andy Osaka came every morning, every morning, just get before the Lord. And one day I woke up and I was praying and I had this sense of urgency. I knew something really bad's going to happen. This is bad. And I says, and it was so, so alarming. I said, this is, this is not run of the mill. This is something very, very serious. So I got on my knees before God that morning, just me by myself. And I just got after it in the Holy Spirit. We don't know what to pray as we are, like Brother Andy Asakwe say, but when we pray in the Spirit, we pray the perfect will of God. Don't try to figure it out. Just do it. Just do it. 
So I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, and, and I says like, wow. And I felt like, I felt like there was, th- that I almost got there, but it was time to go pray with Kimberly. So I called her, I said, are you up? Are you, can we pray? So I went up there, and I said, and I said to her, this was on a Monday. I said, hon, something is not right. I just don't feel, something's not right. We've got to pray. It says, it's bad, and it's pretty big. And I, I have no idea what it is, but we've got to, she says, okay, I'll, I'll go with it. We've got to learn how to trust the Holy Spirit. Paul said this, when I pray in the Spirit, my understanding is unfruitful. We have to, we have to, we have to realize that don't get nervous just because you don't know what it is in your head. Stop it. Stop it. Let the Holy Ghost pray through you. And I have a tangible example in, to show, share with you tonight what the Lord did for me. And I'm, I'm just so blessed to be able to share this example with you before I let you go tonight. So I prayed and uh, I finally, I prayed the next day. There was more. I felt like I had to pray some more. And I really felt like a real boldness to bind it and to break that thing, whatever it was. I didn't know what it was. The Lord didn't show me. Don't fabricate things, friends. It, just know that you're doing what you've got to do. You prayed in the Holy Ghost and trust the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then I got a release. Well, Thursday that same week, we did a service here at the church. And... Uh, uh, I left from that meeting, and uh, just in case you were wondering, no, I wasn't walking in any sin in my life. <laughs> and and uh, I came across this intersection. Now you know what I'm talking about. And I've got to show picture number one, please. Sample number one. This happened. I want you to take your attention and focus it on the Honda in the lower left of your screen. Do you realize the degree of impact that that was? This was a person moving at who knows what clip, probably 40, at least 40 miles an hour, with no brakes whatsoever. And they slammed into that beautiful RC300, the the Lexus right there. Boy, that was an expensive (laughs) car. It demolished not only that car, the Honda that hit, but it also demolished the RC300, the the Lexus. The axles were just like, ah. I want you to bring up picture number two, please. And I want you to notice something. You see that white car? That took the impact of what was going into, you, you, in case you don't know it, I drive uh, a Lexus. <laughs> That's my silver Lexus RX 300. Right into the driver door. I'm just saying. <laughs> what are the odds? Well, Pastor Tom, I thought you were a faith man. This stuff doesn't happen. No, Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So I want you to know that the full impact of car left would have come right into driver door car right. That's right where I am. Pastor Tom may be in a full body cast and I'm certain, I'm pretty certain that I wouldn't be in this wonderful condition that I am today. I'm telling you what, it was like I was so protected. I said I was so protected. All I felt was like, huh, what, huh, boom, and it kind of happened so fast, I'm like, what? You know, I get out, all this devastation, and it's like, a thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Uh, would you please bring up picture number three? 
So this is, this is kind of what, what's going on. This, this vehicle, uh, again, you can see the point of impact between the, the uh, front fender and the driver door would have been full impact. And, you know, I think they call that being T-boned or something like that. That would have been really bad. But you know what? It's just pretty amazing that I just kind of got up and I'm just kind of watching the whole thing. And all this emergency personnel, is everybody okay? Are you okay? They saw the mess. And I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm like, are you hurt? Uh, no. <laughs> you know? But it wasn't until, I, for me, it was such an inconvenience. Like, oh, man, I've got groceries in the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to defrost. My Trader Joe's stuff is going to defrost and stuff. Like, what an inconvenience. But later on, I realized, do you realize what a miracle that was? Yes, do you know what it takes? I mean, it, I felt like it would be really nice if I didn't have that mess at all. But my goodness, it's like, wow, you know, um, I realized just what a miracle it was that I walked away from that thing and nobody really was really hurt. That's what was really amazing. It's like maybe my prayers prayed about everybody. And I said, is this what I was praying about? This is, this is that thing, but it could have been really, really bad. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt. Let's go to the next, the next slide, please. Oh, okay. Go to the next slide. So this is the result is that I got another car. (laughs) For the same price, this is like several years newer, and I got, uh, it was pretty much what I was going to put into the old car to, to, to get the air conditioner to work and get the GPS to work and get the locks. Or, you know what happens with an old 2000 car, 2002, everything starts not working. I was able to drive away with that thing. I'm like, okay, within a week, I had my new car. I'm like, okay, next. And I'm, t- I'm telling you what, I am so excited that I could be here standing before you tonight sharing the love of God and the Word of God. You will not skip a beat because the Lord gives His angels what? Charge of you. Now, I could have hidden that from you like you wouldn't even know the difference. Like, oh, you wouldn't even know that's a different car. (laughs) But I wanted to use leave that impression with you so that you know that does it pay to pray? Absolutely. And I don't, I don't just pray for my, I didn't even know I was praying for me. I pray for, I pray for everybody. I, I just apply myself to pray for the body of Christ. Amen. I have no idea what I'm praying for. And the many times the Lord will start giving me utterance in English and I go with it. But friends, get a prayer life. Get a prayer life. Your life depends on it. Your family depends on it. Your, your church depends on it. Your pastors are depending on you. Jesus is depending on you. And great deliverances can be wrought as we pray and have a, an intentional prayer life. Get to a prayer meeting. Thank you for coming on a Wednesday night early, those of you that came early for the Ignite. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's pray right now. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. We worship you and we thank you that you are the designer of all of this. And you've given us, Lord, like patriarchs of old, the privilege to stand before God in your presence and to transact heavenly things. We worship you and thank you for tonight. We thank you for the friends that have come out to hear the word of God. And we thank you, Lord, that power is released in the lives of people that have been made righteous by Jesus, that are persistent consistent and passionate about their praying. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.